Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode four of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Today we're bringing you five steps to protecting your marriage from an affair. And we know that this is such a needed topic because, well, we see it all around us. And one of the interesting things is Tim has a TikTok channel. And what is your highest viewed videos? Uh, definitely the highest two viewed videos I have are both about affairs. If you'd like to see those videos or see some of my other content there, you can follow me at psychology underscore path, and then you'll find all my videos. Yeah, so cheating is one of your highest viewed ones. So we know that this is something that sadly is being experienced a lot. And so we want to address just how to protect your marriage from an affair. So one of the things that I think people struggle with the most is this idea of, I never planned on having an affair. And I think that's true. The vast majority of people I work with who have had affairs, who have been cheated on, the person who did the cheating, they didn't plan on doing it. They just kind of more fell into it. But a major part of the problem is that you also didn't plan not to have an affair. Like a lot of people think, oh, I'm a good person. I wouldn't do that. But a part of the problem with that is that you're not imaginative enough to imagine a circumstance in which you might fall into an affair. And so the big idea is to protect yourself from ever even getting close to the line or to the boundary where you could have an affair so that you don't have to struggle through all of that difficulty that comes with it. And believe me, there is a lot of difficulty that comes with an affair. A lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, that'll never happen to us or that'll never happen to me. And I think that's part of the problem. So the first step to protecting your marriage from an affair really is mindset. And I'm sure that you've heard it, if you haven't already said it yourself, that this will never happen to us. This will never happen to us. This will never happen to our marriage. But when you have that view, you don't protect your marriage as much because you just think, well, well, it'll never happen. You know, so you don't even consider the option and how can I protect my marriage? And with this being said, they've done research on people who tend to have affairs versus people who tend not to have affairs. And there's one basic distinct difference that they find between these two groups of people. And so people who have a tendency to have an affair, they view people of the opposite sex as just other people. It doesn't matter that they're male, they're female, it's just another human being. But people who do not have a tendency to have affairs they view people of the opposite sex as a potential danger to their happiness. Now, that's a strange way to phrase it, but when you stop and you think about it, if you've ever seen somebody or you've ever experienced an affair yourself, you know that once that comes out, it is absolutely disastrous for your happiness. It is such a difficult position to be in, such a difficult thing to work through. And even in our practice, it's a difficult thing with a therapist there trying to help you walk through it because there's just so much emotions going into that experience. And so if you view somebody of the opposite sex as a potential danger to your happiness, it's going to cause you to treat them differently. It's going to cause you to put them a little bit more at arm's length and make it more difficult for you to connect with that person, which is exactly what you should be doing because you don't want to get too close and then accidentally have an affair. I mean, a lot of people take exception with accidentally, meaning it's not like for plan. You didn't plan on having the affair, but then you just kind of grew closer and closer because you didn't have appropriate boundaries versus the people who they have this tendency to have an affair. They just view the other person of the opposite sex as just another person. So then they get close to them, they become best friends, and then one thing leads to the next. And that's where people just say, oh, it just happened. Step number two in protecting your marriage from an affair is boundaries. 
These boundaries are mutually agreed upon boundaries. These are not something that you are imposing on your partner or your partner's mm. imposing on you. But with that study I was talking about earlier, you should be able to come to this logical conclusion, hey, this is just a good option. We really should look at doing things like this. And examples of boundaries would be you really shouldn't be going out to dinner exclusively with somebody of the opposite sex or going to get coffee or doing quite a bit of texting. Now, I understand there's some circumstances that may call for it for work and things like that, but those, you just got to have it on your radar. These are dangerous situations and I need to be careful. So, for example, Ruth and I, when we're texting somebody of the opposite sex, we just copy the other person on that just for a higher level of accountability. Not only for the person in our relationship who's doing the texting, but also for the other person who's responding to that text to know like, hey, okay, there's clearly a boundary here. I don't want to push any lines here at all. And so then people tend to be more careful when things are more in a public view. Initially in our relationship, this is something that I kind of pushed against him with. He had this view of like one-to-one interactions, being really careful about not going out or not talking to people of the opposite sex in a very isolated setting. I pushed against that because for me, my view kind of growing up and just what I always said, like, oh, it's just my personality, right? Like, I am very relational and I want to connect with people. That just felt like this big restriction. And it wasn't that I have this desire. I want to go to dinner with this person or go ride in the car with this person. But it really was just thought of like, this is a huge rule that will... Stifle me. Right, that will stifle me or will put this just heaviness on my personality and who I am. But in reality, now I can see why that was such a blessing to our relationship and why that's so needed in a relationship. Because you want to be above reproach. Because I am not infallible. I understand that I'm a human being and other people are. And even though there aren't intentions, eventually things could happen. And so just what we talked about in step number one, having that mindset of protecting your marriage. This is one of the ways that you can really protect yourself. And so I am so thankful that we did have fights in the beginning about this. And I pushed against it. And everything I brought up really was like hypothetical well, what if I go back home to Hawaii and see a friend from whatever? And it wasn't ever a real life situation. It was just that I felt so bogged down by this thought. But I can just see now how that has protected our marriage in such a great way. And given both of us a certain sense of peace of mind about it. And again, this is something that we had multiple discussions over. It wasn't just a, I brought this idea to her and she was like, Okay. I mean, she did not like that idea at first. And I didn't impose it on her. We talked back and forth a lot about it. She came up with these hypothetical situations. And then we talked about what would be potential solutions to those hypothetical situations. I remember one, you're saying, what if a friend came out of town and wanted to come visit with me and stuff like that? And I said, I would make every effort possible to be able to go with you so that you could spend the time with this person, even though I may not know them well, to make sure that you have that open opportunity to. Also a part that plays a role in this too, I think, is a little bit of personality types. So I'm more introverted, so having restriction on social connections is not Mm -hmm. a problem for me. It doesn't bother me at all, but she's very much extroverted, and Mm -hmm. so having this idea of restrictions on social connections was much more uncomfortable. But practically over the 12 years we've been married, how restrictive has, has it felt for you? Not restrictive at all, because I think in the beginning, it really was my mindset seeing this as something restricting you. And it's not about cutting relationships off, but it really is protecting the marriage. And I had to view it from that perspective that this is a protective barrier for our marriage, which is my number one relationship and the thing that I want to protect above all else. And I want to be above reproach. 
And so it hasn't been restrictive. And there has been times where, you know, I've had to take someone to the airport or um, I've texted someone. You know, I always allow Tim the opportunity to be involved or I tell him what I'm doing. If anything is in secret, then it's not a good thing. Or if I feel like I'm hiding something, then that's not a good place to be. You need to begin to really check your heart and see where you're at because it's kind of telling you that there's something wrong there. Yeah, I think one time I heard something that was really interesting. If you are going to work and you're more excited to see a coworker of the opposite sex than you are coming home to see your spouse, that's a problem, right? That's an indication, not that you have really gone so far yet, but it's an indication you're one step in the wrong direction, one step towards an affair, and you should be looking at that relationship with a certain level of skepticism and concern and making sure that you're enforcing very stringent boundaries with that person in particular. Another thing, too, is how close physically you allow yourself to get to people. And so I don't mind hugging people. Hugging is totally fine for me. It doesn't make me uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form. But when it comes to hugging ladies, like we have people over at the house, they're leaving and we're giving out hugs and stuff like that. I don't tend to go and offer them a hug. I'll hug the guy, say bye to them, and I'll stand there. If they want to come hug me, that's fine. But I'm not going to try to engage that. I'm not going to try to walk up to them, bye, uh, we'll see you later or anything like that. If they want to, they can come up to me. And I generally tend to try to do a little bit more of a side hug. Just again, putting up a little bit of an additional boundary a little bit of an additional layer of protection for Ruth's sake, but then also for my sake, because affairs is hard on both sides. If you cheat, it's hard on you, but it's also very hard on your partner. So step number three is a healthy relationship, that you really want to make sure that your relationship is protected by being healthy. And some of that comes from the podcast we've already done, podcast one through three. We talked about conflict resolutions, love banks, different communications or check-in, things that you can do. And it's really important to keep working at your marriage. It's not something that, well, we have a good marriage and that's it. It takes work. You want to pour into that daily. There's a thing that's called the law of entropy. And this is the idea that anything that is not constantly having put energy into it, it's constantly degrading and getting worse. And your marriage is the same thing. If you're not constantly putting energy into it, there is no stagnation. There is no just, hey, we're just kind of plateaued and we're not improving, but we're not getting worse. That's just not the case. If you're not constantly putting energy in trying to make it better, then your relationship is slowly, slowly, slowly getting worse. Sometimes so slowly that you don't even notice it. And this is when we get couples coming into our office and they say something along the lines of, well, we just fell out of love. Well, you didn't really fall out of love. You fell out of loving behaviors because you just got kind of complacent and comfortable in the relationship as opposed to trying to continue to push the relationship forward and enhance it. Now, I understand a lot of times people can lose a certain sense of hope with it because they've tried a bunch of different things and it hasn't worked. But I would encourage you then go in and get some counseling, get a professional involved and really start working forward. If you're at the place where you're really unhappy, make sure you do something about it. And even if you're at the place where you're like, I think it could be better, please go do something about it. Don't wait until something catastrophic happens, because then it makes it so much more difficult to try to press things forward after that. When we're talking about this idea that affairs don't happen in a vacuum, most of the time affairs happen, again, most of the time, because human dynamics is never 100% of the time, but most of the time affairs happen because there is dissatisfaction in the relationship. And the biggest protection we can have against having an affair is that we have a satisfactory, enjoyable, loving relationship with each other. A lot of people will come in and they'll say, I didn't even see this coming. We had such a great relationship. 
And what they mean is nothing bad's happened before. We're not fighting all the time. But it doesn't mean just because you're not fighting that you have a great relationship or a healthy relationship. So it really is that idea of the love bank we just talked about. Not that there's one big negative thing that has happened, but are there daily things that you're pouring in and you're investing into your marriage? And that's really what you want to be careful of. Number four is don't ignore gut reactions. So we don't want to be paranoid about these gut feelings that we have, but we want to be aware of them and we want to have open communication to be able to address these things. With that being said, if you have been damaged by an affair or cheating in the past, that you may be overly concerned or overly sensitive towards some of the warning signs that may pop out. And I want you to be careful. If you've got that, you've got some damage that you have that might need work. And so I'd encourage you to go get some EMDR. But let's say you don't have any of that stuff. You haven't been cheated on, but you're getting these gut reactions. It's absolutely the best to follow up on those because they didn't just come out of nowhere. And your gut reaction may absolutely be wrong. We're not telling you to just trust your gut, and that's 100% true. Absolutely not. But it's worth asking a question or doing a little bit more follow-up just to make sure. I was watching this video the other day. It was absolutely crazy. This lady, she was walking through this parking lot, and she saw a couple guys in there, and she just got the willies. Nothing she had seen really gave her any additional information. And she just started running, and then they show this video of her just barely getting into her apartment before the guy gets to the door, and he was planning on harming her in some way. And so that lady listened to her gut and saved herself. Now, there's plenty of times where you could be walking through a parking lot, and you could get a weird, uncomfortable feeling, and nothing happens from that. But would you rather follow that feeling or ignore that feeling? Obviously, we'd rather follow that feeling to make sure nothing negative happens to us. Yeah, and a lot of these really connect with each other. So... Part of being able to communicate about this gut reaction and address your concerns with your partner is having a healthy relationship, right? Having a place where you do check-ins and you are able to address things without feeling afraid that you're going to upset them or I don't really want to bring it up because it's going to start a fight and we fight about this all the time. So having a place where you can communicate that with each other, like we said before, that really takes a lot of work. So number five is red flags to watch out for. Like Tim said, it doesn't mean that... You see these things, it means they're having an affair or they're cheating on. It just means be a little more aware and start to have conversations. Our first red flag to watch out for is distance. If you guys had a relatively close relationship where you're talking, spending a decent amount of time together, and then all of a sudden there's this break where now we are not talking and we're not spending very much time together, that is an indication that they may possibly be connecting with somebody emotionally and they're getting those emotional needs that they used to be getting from you from someone else. It could also just indicate that you're in a kind of rocky spot in your relationship. But either way, going back to what we said earlier, if you want to be protected from an affair, then you want to make sure you start getting that work right away to make sure we can close that distance. We can get closer together and repair maybe some of the damage that has happened that has caused that. So another red flag that you want to watch out for is changes in behavior. And this could look like so many different things, but just a shift in things that are of the norm in your relationship. It could be social life gets busier, they're going out more with friends, they say they have to work later, maybe you see them dressing up more, they're getting more into their looks and fitness and working out more. And like we said, we don't want to deter you from working out and looking better for your spouse, but that could be a red flag that something is happening. And Tim mentioned earlier, if you're more excited to go to the office and see your coworker 
then that even for yourself should be something that you're aware of. Because as you're getting dressed, if you're thinking about, oh, who am I going to see today? Or am I going to interact with this person? And you're dressing because of that. That's a red flag for yourself that you really need to check yourself in your heart there. And I think this is a great time to explain where the term red flags actually comes from. So the term red flag is basically trying to find landmines in a field. Now, when you're looking for a landmine, you have a metal detector, and you're just taking that metal detector and you're swinging it across the ground and waiting for it to beep. And when it beeps, the problem is it's just detecting metal. You don't know if it's detecting metal from a mine that's going to explode or if it's just detecting a pipe underground or some loose change that fell out of somebody's pocket. But because the consequence of not addressing and not being aware of that metal under the ground is so great, every time a metal detector finds a beep, they just stick a red flag in the ground to warn you, hey, there could be a problem here. And so it's something you want to be cautious of. Not something, again, that Ruth was saying, it's not a guarantee there's a problem, but it's saying that we should do further investigation to find out if there is a problem. Another thing that can be a red flag for an affair is the phone is always busy. They always have their nose buried in the phone. They're always texting someone. They're always talking to someone. And just think about when you first started to fall in love with your spouse. I bet there was a lot of phone communication, a lot of texting, a lot of hanging out, a lot of talking. So when people are starting to catch feelings for somebody else, they tend to just have this strong, strong desire to just be in communication all the time. This could be an indication. Now, it's not always a good one because, for example, uh, Ruth is in several large group text threads and her phone is literally blowing up all the time. If you go and look at your phone after we're done recording this, how many missed text messages are you going to have on that right now? <laughs> it just depends. Sometimes it's 46, sometimes it's 135. And I'll go out there and I'll look at my phone and I'll have like three texts maybe from clients or something <laughs> like that, and that's it. Right? She gets so much more. But again, this goes back to our personality difference. She's much more extroverted. I'm much more introverted. Another red flag to look out for that's very similar to the last one in regards to your phone is them being uncomfortable whenever you're near their phone. And so you notice that they're taking their phone everywhere they go. They're uncomfortable if they get a text message and you're sitting right next to them or you glance over. Maybe they hide it real quick. Maybe they are showing you a picture on your phone and you get a Facebook message or a text message and they swipe up real quick to get rid of it. You see that their web history is deleted. This is all things that really convey this secrecy or trying to hide something from you. And I think to go along with that, there should be no secrecy with a long-term relationship with your phone or with your social media platforms or anything like that, right? So Ruth has the passcode to my phone. She has a password to my Facebook, to my Instagram, to any of those things she has access to. She can see what's going on in there. Because when we have a certain level of secrecy, that's when we tend to start pushing boundaries and bending the lines. And it just puts you in a much more precarious position. But if you always know, hey, my, my partner has full access to my phone and anytime they want it, I should be able to give it over and have no problem. But if you do have a problem, there's an indication that there's something more nefarious going on there. Not guaranteed, but a lot of people will stand kind of on this idea of like principle. Well, it's a principle of the matter. But with that kind of thing, with your long-term committed partner, your spouse, that just doesn't hold water for me. It just doesn't pass the smell test because now you're keeping secrets from them. The person you're supposed to be the most intimate with, the most connected with, that's supposed to know the most about you and you're supposed to know the most about them. What is the point of you having any level of secrecy? You really just shouldn't. There's not a very good answer for that. 
Yeah, and I know that we'll get a lot of flack for this and because people do say that. Well, they should just trust me or I should just trust them. But like we said before, this is a protection for your marriage. And so, yes, I do have those passwords for Tim and he has mine. But I don't go on there and look up anything. I don't go and search through his history all the time, right? But if I ever had the concern, part of that comfortability is knowing that I have the ability to and the access to versus him saying, well, why do you even need that? I'm not doing anything. Right, that automatically puts up a wall. The next thing we're going to look at is changes in sex life. And so if you go from a fairly regular amount of sex, and then suddenly it gets decreased by a fair margin, or even sometimes wanting to drastically change the sexual behaviors that we have in bed can be indicative that they are engaging with somebody else. Another one, even this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but an increase in sex life actually may happen when somebody's having an affair. And a part of that comes from the feeling of guilt or worry mm -hmm that they're going to see I'm not having sex with them as much, so then they kind of can have a tendency to overcompensate in that area. The next red flag is avoiding eye contact. And this is just a human behavior that you can see when somebody's lying, they look away, right? And so there might be other reasons, like we said with red flags, why they're avoiding eye contact. Maybe you just hurt their feelings or they're angry at you. But if you see this is something that is consistent or you question them on that text message that just came through and they're not looking at you and answering or they get up and do the dishes and try to avoid that. That's another red flag. Our last one that we have on our list is increase in work responsibilities or emergencies or overtime. That's a pretty big shift from how things have been operating before. Now remember, before we get into this too much, these are red flags that indicate there could be a problem, not guaranteeing you that they're a problem. And so if that happens, a lot of times people use that as a cover for when they're going to spend time with the other person. Oh, I got to work late. Oh, I got to do overtime. Oh, this emergency came. Oh, I, I have to go on this work trip. Oh, really? You got to go on a work trip? You, you've been working there for five years and you've never had one work trip. That's so unusual. And so an additional level of follow-up is important in those kind of areas, again, in order to make sure that you are protecting your relationship. So let's recap. The five steps to protect your marriage from an affair is mindset. Number two is boundaries. Number three, healthy relationship. Number four, not ignoring those gut reactions. Number five, just being aware of the red flags to watch out for. All right, guys, that's it from us today. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.